The audio you're about to hear was recorded in Anchor. Learn more at anchor.fm. Hey, this is Kristen from the Positive Psychology Podcast. Today I want to talk about the difference between acceptance and resignation. And sometimes it's not that easy to tell the difference when people have suffered for a long time, maybe chronic pain or something. You hear stuff like, well, we just have to accept that um, some things cannot be fixed or that I'll never get better again. Now, I agree that there are some things which cannot be fixed right now and that perhaps they never can. However, there's an important distinction. Acceptance is making peace with what is happening now while at the same time keeping an open mind about what can happen in the future. Resignation, on the other hand, pretends to make peace, but kind of veils anger, disappointment, sadness, and all of that, and more importantly, closes all doors for the future that anything good could ever happen in relationship to that. So I think when you feel down, make sure that you feel down and you get to grips with it through acceptance and not through resignation. Cheers, bye-bye. Today I wanted to talk about the sailboat metaphor by Alex Lindley. And the reason I want to talk about it is that I think there's a lot of confusion around how people should use their strengths and think about their weaknesses. So I think this is particularly useful. When it comes to our strengths, imagine they are like the sails in your boat, all right? The wind blows in them and the boat takes off. The weaknesses are kind of like a hole in the boat. So when you discover that you have a hole in the boat, you want to check it out more thoroughly. Depending where it is, that hole doesn't make any difference whatsoever. Um, If there's no way that water can get in there, no problem, no worries. However, if that hole is in the bottom of your ship, you have to address it. Otherwise, you'll sink the whole thing. Um, What you don't want to do is that you, after you have, you know, stuffed the hole and fixed it, stand around and look at it and kind of hope that it will take you there. That hole will not take you anywhere. It's the strengths that need the wind. They are the wind in your sails, not the hole. Because once you've fixed it, that's all you can do with it. All right, cheers, bye-bye. Today I want to talk about this idea is that tools are neither good or evil. They just are, and it's all up to us. Now, people love to say money is bad or technology is bad and uh, money makes us horrible people and technology uh, fosters people to be lonely. But actually, what the science shows is that it really depends what you do with all of these things, right? So take the example of um, technology, which is right now still a little bit futuristic, although it already exists, and simply because it's not mainstream yet, and that's um, virtual reality, all right? So when you hear about virtual reality, and I feel the same way, there's sometimes this fear that we might all dive into virtual reality all by ourselves and um, become perfectly antisocial. Now, of course, theoretically, there are scenarios um, in which this can happen, and I'm sure that's not going to be a theory. There are going to be some places, uh, some people who will, you know, just 
dive into VR and basically say goodbye to the world the way there are some gamers which do that. However, and here's the distinction, that's not what most gamers do. That's a very small percentage. So what else could happen? Here's another scenario for you. You might actually have um, a VR experience of what it is to live in a refugee camp, all right? Um, for example, or you might have a, an, a VR experience of what it is like to be in a mental health institution. Uh, and when you look at it like that, through VR, you are going to feel like you're in the middle of it. So you walk and wherever you turn, you encounter things. So clearly, the technology can be used to grow and expand ourselves in ways which are not only not antisocial, but actually the opposite. They will make us more um, empathetic. And the question is, what path do you choose? It's not really what does everybody else do. The path is what do you choose? What do you do with your tools? Do you use your tools to support good things? Do you use your money to support good things? Do you use your technology? Or do you just use it in the, the, the simplest way, the way that kind of, you know, you're just um, made to use it in a particular way because everybody else is doing it that way. And in that case, yes, things can turn out evil and mean and but that's not, you are not damned to do it that way. All right, cheers, bye-bye. Today I want to talk about streaks. When you have a calendar, preferably in your phone, because your phone will track what you do, but you can also do this on a wall with an old-fashioned calendar, um, and you pick a daily habit, something you want to do daily, and you create a streak. It unleashes an interesting dynamic in your brain after about depending on what you think is respectable 30 or 50 days what this habit streak does is that your brain starts searching for excuses to not break that streak so instead of being like oh i'm injured let's skip the gym or something like that your brain is like well i'm only injured my, you know, my hand or my leg, so I can do all these other things to keep up the streak. So this is something that I can recommend to you. Check it out. Cheers. Bye-bye. Today I want to talk about this idea that the, good, the best is only good enough. And it might sound great for people who like to have other people's approval, but in terms of happiness is actually not such a great philosophy to live by because if you're only happy with the best hotel room or the best uh, sparkling water or whatever it is, you will probably be unhappy like 85% of the time because you can't always get what you want. I have stayed in probably... I don't know how many hostels in my life and I'm glad I did this because if I would have gotten used to staying at fancy hotels, I could not have been able to afford even a fraction of the travel that I've done now. So I'd like you to think about this idea that sometimes when you get the opportunity to, um, you know, to, to get only the best, sometimes it's best to not try that at all, especially if you're, if you secretly want it, but you can't afford it. Cheers, bye-bye.
Today I want to talk about our tendency to go for either or options. What do I mean by this?、Um, there's this really inspiring slash crazy、uh, dude called Gary Vaynerchuk. All of those of you who are interested in Uh, you know, online business and stuff like that might have encountered him, and he's the kind of dude who can work、um, 16 hours a day, and he's been doing this for、um, I think 15 years of his life, and he's super pumped and happy. And when you hear something that like that, it's pretty easy to be like, "Oh my God, I can't do those 15 hours, so I can't really follow anything that Gary says." And that's just not true, and that's something that we. Do to ourselves that holds us back. So instead of either or, I would like to encourage you to think about what's the most that I can do. And if you're feeling no energy whatsoever, what's the least that I can do today? And then go and do that. All right. Cheers. Bye bye. Hey, this is Kristen from the Positive Psychology Podcast. I wanted to talk to you about a more personal matter. And that is related to my work life. And the reason that I'm sharing this with you is that I really strongly believe that we can only influence others as much as we kind of walk the talk ourselves. So when I talk about authenticity and vulnerability and all of that,、uh, it's not enough to just learn the science about these things, but to actually continually. Um, apply it to my own life and to reflect on areas in which I succeeded doing that, or and continue to succeed, but also to mention places where I might have not succeeded so much. So, just for those of you who do not know me from the podcast, I work for a big, large bank,、um, an internationally known bank, and I work 60%. That's how I put.、Um, A roof over my head and food on my table, and occasionally travel a little bit. Now I've been working with them for for a very very long time. I did my apprenticeship there when I was 16.、Um, I'm not 16 anymore, so yeah, it's been a long time. And there were, you know, some scandals,、um, like with any other bank, obviously, and things that really 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 made me. Kind of just withdraw and just kind of care about our own little island and our own team,、uh, and and that's what I've been doing for a very long time because I kind of made a couple of efforts a few years ago to bring the ideas of positive psychology into the bank. It didn't work, and I felt helpless about it. So I thought, you know what? That's fine.、Um, keep work and your private life separate.、Um, that's a good idea. Fast forward、um, about two weeks ago, we got this email where it said, "Well, if you have anything to say to the management circle,、um, we invite you to come to an offsite and to tell us to our face." And when I read this, something inside of me just went, "You have to do this." And I wrote an email to my boss, and I said, "You know, I thought." My idealism for this company had died in 2012, but apparently there's still a little bit of life left. So, will you let me go there? And and he said yes. So yesterday I went there and I gave a talk, and some found it super inspirational. Others were like, "Well, we're not quite sure、um, if it's concrete enough. But we'll give you another meeting." So. So I don't know what's going to happen there. So a part of me listening to the other presentations and listening to how the management circle talk to each other was like, 
questioning, was this a good idea? You know, like, um, aren't you just kind of jeopardizing your peace of mind and putting hopes in people who just might have very different priorities from yourself? So I've been thinking about that for a while and I, I, I kind of move back and forth between yes, this is a good idea and no, it's not. So I'm reading up on a little bit of the science of appreciative inquiry. And as I read this, I started to realize that my withdrawal had a lot to do with the feeling of helplessness. So as I'm reading up on appreciative inquiry, in case you're interested, um, it occurred to me that yes, it might be even now still the case that, you know, either management is not ready or, you know, maybe I'm not uh, a good enough salesperson to convince them at this point of view of time um, to give these ideas from applying positive psychology at work a shot. Um, but then I realized something else and that was just a couple of minutes before and that's in any other area of my life I don't accept that kind of helplessness usually. So when I feel helpless and I thought, well, the, you know, the people in power don't care, well, why do I do the podcast? I know that the, you know, the president of wherever doesn't care about my podcast, but I, I do it because I have the faith that there are some people outside in the world who will connect to these ideas. And if we kind of um, can connect eventually with each other, we might be able to create quite a bit of positive impact. And I realized that I kind of didn't apply that same idea to the company I work for, you know. And then one of the uh, leaders came up to me and she liked it. She was a team leader. And and now I'm just thinking like, you know what, even if management doesn't like it, um, they can't control what I do during my breaks, for example. So if I want to bring more appreciative inquiry in, if I want to maybe ask my boss if I could maybe lead a team meeting for a change or something, that's not something that they can really influence. So if I build, like if I invest a little bit of my time into the bank, although I am not sure what will come out of it, I have at least a shot of of having a better time than I had before this, right? Um, whereas otherwise, I'm just sitting in this narrative of helplessness and management doesn't care and management just wants to downsize. And I think there has to be something between, you know, like a loving hippie community and a cold management doesn't care about anything culture. And, you know, who, who else is ed better educated, really, to, to kind of take those small little steps, you know? So that's what I wanted to share with you. And I hope you might find this, you know, interesting for you or maybe someone you work with. Cheers. Bye-bye. I just listened to uh, a book marketing podcast and... In that, they described how a company specializes in gaming the New York Times bestseller list. Now, what does that have to do with happiness? Well, <laughs> the reason that something like that is possible is that we give a lot of weight to titles and designations and things like that, right? So, so we think like, oh, somebody's worthy of my time because they hit the New York bestseller list example right fill in the blank you can put in whatever you want now the thing with using those kind of designations is that even if they're true right so even if they didn't game the system you don't know what the value of these things are to you 
And the best way to figure that out is to kind of understand what's in whatever product you're looking at. And then, you know, um, reading it or whatever you want to do, reading it, consuming it, and then, very important, implementing it. If you don't implement, you cannot, you know, judge the validity of someone's ideas because sometimes very simple things um, help people, you know, get a lot of happiness out of it. good example is the three good things exercise with everybody knows about this. Everybody knows, hey, it's good to do, to write down every day three good things. But a lot of people don't do it. And a lot of people don't focus on these things. And then they say, oh, um, positive psychology is worthless, right? And so, so that's what I want to encourage you to do. Like instead of um, telling other people, oh, you should read this because they're a New York Times bestseller, or you should meet this person because um, uh, they, they are they have some kind of status. <laughs> um, focus more on how it helped you or other people get results. Cheers, bye bye. One interesting way that I have found to bring meaning into my life. And I found this by accident, actually, is the idea of being an ambassador. Now, I first came up with this um, when I was traveling, and I specifically remember being in Greece one day, and my friends invited some of their friends, and they bombarded me with questions. And they had never spoken to a Swiss person before. So I was super conscious of the fact that basically a, a big chunk of their um, opinion about Swiss people was kind of uh, depending on how I would perform. Uh, so that can be a burden, but I also found it can be a really strong um, you know, meaning maker. What do I mean by this? Obviously, m most of my good days, I would, you know, try to be kind and treat people all right. But when this added dimension of the ambassador came, I just made even a bigger effort because I didn't want them to think that all Swiss people are cold or <laughs> whatever it is or only care about money um, the way that we are often portrayed, you know, in media around the world. And I've come to notice that being an ambassador for something that you love is a great way of modeling behavior. And it's what is great about it is that it not only does it help create good experience for other people because you make a conscious effort to be a good role model, so to speak, but it only it also has inf um, impact on you because you behave in certain ways you are more likely to find meaning and to be happier about it and i think that is super important now the reason i thought of this was that four grumpy runners ran past me and i thought well if i wouldn't run myself these guys don't exactly motivate me, would not motivate me to take up running. So when I go for a run, I also try to make an effort to, while I obviously try to be fit and, and give it my all, I also try to make an effort to smile at people, especially non-runners, because I want them to see that not only is it good for you afterwards, 
but that it can be fun while you're doing it. So have fun. Be the ambassador of whatever you believe in. Cheers. Bye-bye. If you have listened to this anchor station, you might have heard my my ideas around using negative emotions like anger um, as a force for good, as a force for discovering your values and maybe changing things that are important to us. Now, I just had sort of such a moment yesterday when I listened to a podcast about book marketing and I already told you about the New York seller and best, uh, New York's best-selling um, list and stuff like that. Um, but the thing that got me really, really, really angry was that the person who belongs to the company that has the most successful book launches in the world says, it's never about the book. It's never about the book. It's always about people writing books so they get specific benefits. And when I heard that, my blood started to boil. I got so pissed that I I was just like, I could just keep myself from screaming like, fuck you, <laughs> um, into the empty kitchen I was in because what the fuck? We have all this noise, all these people putting out things, not because, oh, I want to solve a problem in the world. No, because they're like, oh, hey, I want to have an awesome Ferrari one day or whatever it is. No, Tesla probably that people covet these days. And, you know, I'm not someone who usually pays a lot of attention to things that, you know, make you jealous or whatever, because I think it's, it's frankly a waste of time. Like just focus on your own stuff. But what this did, what this kind of lit a fire under my ass in a way that all my, my positive ideas of the change that I hope to make in this world simply did not. So the day I heard that, I started taking Facebook classes. And the reason is that it annoys the fuck out of me that people who are good at Facebook get all the attention and they don't even care. They're like, they, they, and I'm not putting everybody in the same box. I know some marketers like Tim Ferriss and Chris Gillibo and, and you know, there are a lot of them who are really cool, really admire them, love them for what they put out into the world. But folks who are like hacking their way through, just providing the minimum value so that they can put processes into place that will create money machines, they get the attention while people who are actually trying to solve real ass problems do not get at that attention made me fucking angry and you know what i think it's a good thing if you are listening from the positive psychology podcast please if you hear that i lose energy um in pursuing my mission to get this thing out there that i kind of give in to my fears of you know being a marketer and stuff like please remind me of this moment because i need a little bit of fire under my ass and maybe you do too cheers bye-bye Superheroes are very popular, and usually what superheroes do is that they somewhat, you know, make sure that their city stays villain-free, and when the villains come, they identify them and kick their ass. Now, I love this idea of being a reverse Batman. What that means is, instead of kicking people's ass, you can leave that to the police if that's necessary, um, we just go around and reward behavior randomly that's good and social and we see that 
kids do things that are good, for example, or people do things, something kind, um, if we would reward them every time, that doesn't work because then people expect the reward and they don't do it out of the bottom, you know, because they want to. But um, I encourage you to reverse Batman it. Uh, we see somebody's doing something good, just, you know, buy them a coffee or something. Cheers, bye-bye. Today, I want to talk about something that Parker Palmer said, and it is the following. Let tension do its work. And what I love about this is that we reflexively try to reduce tension. And I think that is merited in some situations, but not in others. When we have tension inside of ourselves, because the way we perceive the world is not helpful for us, is not constructive, is not helpful for anybody else, getting to the source of the tension and resolving it is important work that we can do. When we, therefore, just shy away from every kind of conflict that we have, we shy away from tackling big issues in daily life. Uh, we say, I would rather suffer in a known way for the rest of my life than put up with this and it might be a little bit intense right now. So today, I just want you to think about that. Cheers, bye-bye. Hey, this is Kristen from the Positive Psychology Podcast. I just listened to a segment. Um, sorry, I'm used to saying segment because we're an anchor, but actually it was a podcast where the founder of Airbnb, Brian Chesky, mentioned that he somewhat misses the old days when Airbnb was smaller and just starting up. And that sounds crazy, doesn't it? All our dreams usually revolve around, you know, when something that we hope for gets big and bigger and bigger. And he said, you know, back then we could really innovate, we could change things immediately, we could really take care of one single customer and, and test things out in a way we just can't um, now that we're as big as we are. And that made me think of how every stage um, we are in has these kind of benefits. And it's a shame if we only figure out those benefits once they're gone. So I'd like to encourage you, um, especially if you're not happy with where you're at, to pay attention to that. Take care. Bye-bye. The audio you just heard was recorded in Anchor. Learn more at anchor.fm. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. We're saying goodbye with Happy Yogurt.